0: Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and Commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning in to the right show. Today, I'm really excited to have Vic Nichols on the show today. Coach Vic is a motivational speaker, leadership development coach, and diversity and inclusion strategist who delivers high energy presentations that challenge audiences to leave mediocre habits in the past. Vic and I met in high school when we were West Orange Warriors. And his leadership skills were even evident back then. And of course, now he's taken his strengths to the next level to help others. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Amy, thank you so much for having me. This this, this just takes me back, right? I feel like we're back <laughs> walking in the halls again.
0: Yes, yes. It's wonderful. We got reconnected when someone sent out this whole invitation about 20 years out. And then we got we got connected and I... Loved how much some of our mindsets were were similar, which kind of brought us all on this journey. So so excited to have you here. So but yeah, let's start from the beginning. Tell us about your background and how you got into the field that you're in today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So believe it or not, I went to our high school. I was a part of the magnet. I wasn't supposed to be at West Orange. And I start there because I think that that ties in a lot of what I've been able to accomplish. I've always sought to do something different to have a greater impact. And if that took me at a different place in the journey, so be it. My journey in terms of becoming a speaker, becoming a coach, getting into diversity, equity, and inclusion is really a culmination of all the people who have poured into me over the years who have helped me to grow. Starting from my early days, as well as my time in sports, but getting into the corporate space where I've been for 15 years now, serving as a leader. For many people, football was my jam and they know me for that. (laughs) But I played a number of different sports, right? I just wanted to be active. I love the camaraderie part of it. And honestly, I learned so much from the people around me in terms of accountability, personal accountability. And when you think about how important that is to be able to hold yourself accountable. When you get out into the real world after high school, you have to be able to hold yourself accountable. You have to be able to move and progress towards your goals. And so being around those teammates who expected more of me helped to solidify and reinforce what I expected of myself. And so now, yes, I am a leadership development coach, both internally in the corporate space, but I also own my own business helping leaders and organizations to enhance their leadership capabilities. I think that it always starts at the top. If anybody wants to grow, if any organization wants to scale, it starts at the top. And that's where change has to happen. That's where leadership starts. So that's my goal. That's my focus.
0: It's amazing. You know, we've had the opportunity to connect and, So you were inspired, obviously, to to start this business. Was there anything in particular that motivated you the most to start your own business? Or was it the culmination of a number of things?
1: There was an event that happened that really, I would say, probably lit the fire. I had always had that desire to own my own business, to be my own boss. I think that's everybody's dream, right? I want to control my own time. Well. I've gone through corporate restructuring. I was on a career path to be a training director. That was the dream I had set my sight on. And then the company restructured my department, leaving me in a situation where I'm wondering, okay, is that still an option for me? I thought I had control of my destiny. I thought that I was gonna be the one to dictate when and how I was going to achieve my goals. But then I found out in the in the business world, in the corporate space, you're not always in control of the outcomes. You can influence them, but you're not always in control. And so that restructuring served as a catalyst for me to say, I won't have my destiny be in the hands of someone else anymore. I will have more control, more influence, and I won't allow myself to be stagnant or complacent even. And so that inspired me to start my own business. I literally learned what I do for my own business in doing my job every day. I serve as a coach, helping people to grow their businesses, to improve themselves professionally, and to improve themselves personally. And that's what drives me every day. I really get a kick out of seeing people grow and progress.
0: When it seems to me that you can have a lot bigger of an impact, not being tethered just to, to one organization and you can have a greater impact.
1: Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with others. Oftentimes, we want to accomplish our dreams and goals. My mentor helped me to see and recognize that when you help others accomplish their goals, it will allow you to accomplish yours. And so serving people is where I found my purpose.
0: It's probably transformational, too, when you get to see the results is there any type of person in particular that would benefit the most from your type of work? Do they have to have a particular mindset or can you help them create the mindset that would effectuate the most change? What What do you see?
1: Honestly, um, it's not a wide spectrum yeah. of the people who I'm able to help and serve. Typically, the clients that I'm working with are one, aspiring leaders who already possess a level of confidence that they can do it, whatever it is. I can't teach someone confidence, but they have to be able to believe in themselves. You know,
0: Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know,
1: this as a, as a business owner, as a coach, that I can teach you the business. I can teach you the processes, but there are certain character traits I can't teach you. So for me, the individuals who carry not, A bunch of confidence but they just believe that they can those are the people that i can help because those are the people who are willing to put in the work so work ethic Uh those are the people that i tend to help and you don't have to have the greatest work ethic but you do have to be committed to working hard because that's how you accomplish your dreams that's what it's going to take and so working with individuals who have those two character traits at their foundation are the ones that I've been able to best serve and help them to transform and accomplish in their goals. But now, in addition to that, individuals who aspire for more, organizations who want to improve their performance, who want to improve the performance of their people, those are the organizations that I've been able to partner with to help them to grow, not only their business, but grow their people. They wanna invest back into their people And they see that as one of their number one assets in terms of their ability to grow. And so when I'm talking with a potential client, those are the elements I'm looking for. What are the things that you already have that I can't teach you versus what are the things that I can teach you? And part of that, what I can teach an organization or an individual is is that mindset, being more intentional with your actions. That's usually where I come in. That's what has helped me is that intentionality.
0: Well, and it, and it seems to me, too, unless you have that confidence, you could have people make every suggestion in the world, but you would likely be paralyzed to even try, you know, try anything. And it would be right. easier to be in the status quo.
1: Right. And that's where, you know, I've had clients in the past where, you know, we've offered suggestions, we've looked at challenges they've had, and we've offered solutions. When I notice that they keep coming back to me saying, I can't, and so many so many words, I can't. And it's always because of some other excuse or some external factor. That to me is a red flag and an indicator that yes. this person really isn't willing to change.
0: And that gets back to the accountability. So, you know, you've talked about confidence, you've talked about work ethic, you've talked about accountability. Probably a lot of that comes together to make that kind of coachable mindset.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's so you amazing. get it, yeah. That's that's the biggest challenge, really and truly. That's the biggest challenge.
0: Wow, what do you think sets you apart from others within your your industry?
1: Truthfully, my industry, serving as an executive coach, you don't typically see people who look like me. To be quite honest, you don't see African American males often when you think of leaders in an organization. Most organizations, when you look at the top, it's not very diverse. Even when companies broadcast that they are a diverse organization. If you look at the top, you probably don't see a whole lot of diversity in most organizations. So one, that sets me apart. Two, I'm relatable to a lot of people because I lean into not only my experiences that I've gone through that have helped to shape me and help me to be successful, but I share the experiences of my people that I've worked with and the different experiences of people that I've come across I believe that we as individuals, as human beings, we learn best through shared experiences because we as individuals are always in search of our group. We have that tribal mentality. We walk into a brand new organization and we look for our group. We ask ourselves, do I see myself fitting into this group? And the reason for that is when you think about why people leave an organization, you hear all the time, they don't leave an organization, they leave a boss. Well, that's like, number three on the list, number one and number two is they leave because they don't feel that their work has value and they don't feel a part of the group. Like if I felt a part of the group and I felt like my work has value, I can ignore a bad manager, a bad leader, but in conjunction with, I don't feel like my work has value and I don't feel a part of the group. Oh, I'm definitely out of there. So in terms of what sets me apart, I understand that Mm -hmm. as well as there's a lot of coaches, leaders, consultants who served in leadership roles, but not all of them have the L&D background, the learning and development or the training and development background. People don't know this, but I was a trainer for like six, seven years teaching people and being familiar with learning styles, adult learning styles to help people to not only learn a concept, but be able to actually apply it for themselves to where they don't need someone giving them every step of the way on how to execute. So I marry that, that style, that that training and development background mm-hmm. with my leadership style, which my style I like to describe as transformational. I want to transform your habits so that you can be sustained. I don't want you to just learn a skill to execute for this short time frame. I want you to be able to sustain a tool mm-hmm. that you can pass down to someone else. That's the difference for me
0: that's amazing and you were speaking a lot about like authenticity and vulnerability you didn't use those exact words but that's you know what i'm hearing allowing you to to relate more and have that impact and probably discover where are for lack of a better term where are the dysfunctions within the organization because also probably if you do transform a leader and then you find out, too, if some of the team members aren't congruent, helping to then optimize and bring bring that all together.
1: Exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite books is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it, yeah. Oh, Have you read that one?
0: I think you told me to read it. So I yeah. did not input my work ethic <laughs> and read it.
1: Oh, uh, yep, but I, it I, uh, it I'm going to
0: make sure I got to put in my work.
1: <laughs> there it is. But yeah, it's a great book because it points to the different personalities that exist within a team dynamic and how you can bring them together to use your word, have congruency amongst the group, because that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to manage the task conflict so that we can move towards the common goal. So yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorites. And that that really is a book that has contributed to the direction of my coaching style.
0: Yeah. Well, I I feel like we had such a synergy in our mindsets because over the past few years, I've transformed my organization into more of like a team, you know, elite sports team kind of mindset. And once you really have that cemented, which, you know, I'm looking forward to working together to even more enhance that, it's interesting when you're looking at your pipeline of candidates, you can easily shift out like, okay, this person's more concerned about themselves individually. This person is more of a team, which I, I do firmly believe with what you said at the beginning of the show, having that team mindset can help any one person or organization just achieve so much more. So the last thing you'd want to do if you have, you have, you've developed that kind of mindset is to bring someone in that, that it would create such dissonance.
1: Oh, it, it could be a real detriment to the organization. Just one person. You introduce one, one yeah. thing, right? It could <laughs> set it off. I, my mentor, he, he he opened my eyes to this one time. He said, you got to watch out for the zeros. You got to yeah. watch out for the zeros. And I said, watch out for the zeros. What does that mean? He said, there's two areas where introducing a zero can absolutely change your life. He said, one to your bank account. Every time you add a zero to your bank account, it could truly change your life. I said, you're right. He said, and you also got to think about your circle. Anytime you add a zero to the circle, that person can really change your life. So watch out for the zeros.
0: Yeah. I I struggle with I'm competitive. I'm highly competitive and I want to win. And so when I necessarily have a recruit and I can see all these positive qualities, sometimes I want to ignore the other one and win this person over maybe the other organizations recruiting them. But then I have to remember like what, at what cost. And so, right. uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm learning to say, no, one of, one of the coaches I work with a few it told me that my word, that's going to make me the most successful this year is no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I have the hardest time with, but yeah. So.
1: You got to make it your favorite word, your word of the year.
0: Word of the year. So it was interesting when we met back in high school, you were involved with sports and definitely the football team. What type of habits that you learned as an athlete do you still use today?
1: Absolutely. Many times you see sports and you think about them when they're in season. Yeah. One of the things about football that people don't realize, especially in the state of Florida, is it's a year round thing. There's different seasons. There's in-season and then there's off-season. Well, the athletes who tend to excel the most in-season are the ones who typically put in the most work in the off-season. So mm-hmm. I tend to think about my life. I tend to approach life thinking about when I'm in-season versus out-of-season and what that training looks like. What, what kind of work do I need to be putting in? What systems can I put in place now that are going to benefit me when we get to october november and december i don't know what i'll need then but i know that i have to develop a healthy habit so one of the things that i do forecasting forecasting is a healthy habit strategic yeah. planning goes goes along with that but i think about i have these goals that are going to come to life let's say december by the end of the year let's work backwards start with the end in mind football We all know what our end zone dance is going to be if I get the chance to score a touchdown.
0: (laughs) I never thought of that.
1: (laughs) But what plays are you going to run that is going to get you to the end zone? That's the part that people don't put enough time and attention into. So after I think about my celebration in December when we reach the goal, I then start to work backwards. What do I need to do to put me in place to be able to score in December. So that was a habit for sure that I kept with me. Another habit is asking for help, especially when I don't know, but I don't stop there. I then turn around and teach. So coming up in sports, we had coaches. The coaches would teach us the plays. They would teach us the game, okay? Some of my teammates didn't get it the first time, like I got it, and they would ask me, so what do I do here? I knew that as a team, I could do my job well, but if the person next to me doesn't do their job well, it was as if I didn't do my job well. So I need everybody around me to know what they need to do and to be able to execute it at a very high level because collectively we'll be able to win the game. And so when I come into the business world, that's what I thought about. Although my jobs have been individualistic in terms of nature, I knew that if we all win, if we all are doing our jobs, the team is able to accomplish more. Like they say, rising tides raises all ships. And so that has been another concept that has truly contributed to my success in the corporate world. I mean, many people don't know this, but three of the positions that I've held, I wrote the job description for before I got into it. They didn't exist. Wow. They didn't exist. I was a part of either a group where we wrote the job description because we wanted to accomplish a certain career path, or I wrote it myself based on a need that I saw in the company. I've also, in my organization, when I went into the training space, the only way to become a sales manager was you had to stay on the sales path. I'm literally the only person in the history of my company to have gone directly from sales support into a sales manager position. Nobody has done it after me. I'm the only one. And I'm proud of that, you know. And again, a lot of that comes from the lessons that I learned through my participation in sports.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. What I heard is all that offseason work that that visualizing the intentionality and figuring out the plays is really what maximizes that in season success. And speaking of success, is there anything that you would consider to be, you know, your greatest achievement?
1: Always tussle with this this question, and the reason is, you know, when you think about your greatest achievement, I fight that. Look at me, look at me, right? I fight yep. the me month. When I think about my greatest success, I think about what my wife and I have been able to do with our family. You know, I mentioned to you off camera we're about to you know, enter the housing market, we're about to purchase a new home. Mm-hmm. She and I have reflected on how far we've come over the years and what we've been able to do to help our children. You know, We are accomplishing some goals right now with our kids that she and I talked about when we were kids and even dreamt about before we met that we're now able to do. And that feeling is so wow. gratifying.
0: You just gave me chills. At the end of the day, you can do all these things in business But then what, you know, what you're able to do for, for your loved ones that, you know, also will instill these types of principles for the next generation. It's transformational. I'm stealing your word again, but yeah, (laughs) no, at the, at the end of the day, I I think that, you know, it's so important to do all that work professionally, but it comes back, you know, to, to, to your family and, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, your children must be so proud that now you're going to be, you know, moving into a new construction house and, you know, all these things. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope
1: they, I hope they are proud. I think they are. I think they've said it to me a a few times, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really amazing to see what we've been able to accomplish. And, you know, we're all looking forward to the next chapter and what else we can do.
0: Well, we talked a little bit about it. Your courage to take not the easiest path but to to get the best result for your family is is inspiring i took a similar path myself in this crazy market but not everyone's willing to to really you know do do that to 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 get the best you know results and really maxim maximize it it's Um, it's
1: scary isn't it
0: it's It's very scary
1: (laughs) it's terrifying and i think that sometimes people people think that they are the only ones feeling that fear and mm-hmm. these potential decisions that they can make. And in reality, we're all feeling that feeling. We're just not talking about it.
0: Yeah. And so for those listening, we were talking about Vic is doing kind of what I did in selling his house, living in a rental house before he gets into his other house, which is 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 difficult however at the end of the day you're still with your family and you're moving in the path it's just not from one to the other and so you kind of don't have a parachute for a little bit but it'll be okay you know because at the end of the day you're together what's the worst thing you know so it 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 doesn't matter what's the worst thing what's the worst thing
1: we argue. we we don't like each other for a couple of months you know yeah that's the worst
0: that's (laughs) the worst thing. um, do you have, now that you've built your business, any particular experiences as an entrepreneur or motivational speaker that you consider to be one of your most memorable?
1: Uh, most memorable. I would probably say it was last year. I had to go speak for, I got invited to speak for an organization. They were just coming back into the office, you know, following the pandemic. Actually, this was, 2020. Nope, this was last year. It's 2021. I'm getting my years mixed up. <laughs> 2021. Sorry, I got invited to go speak for an organization. They were having a summit, if you will, inviting all the you know people back into the office. They were making that transition, and they wanted a rah-rah kind of moment. They did a a lunch and learn, if you will, and had me speak at lunch. And what I didn't know was lunch was going to be outside on the deck at a restaurant that was just below their building so not only was their team present but there were just other patrons in the area
0: that's (laughs) a plot twist right there
1: right what was supposed to be about 25 to 30 people ended up being closer to 100 people (laughs) by the time it was over but the reason this was so memorable one of the staff workers as i was speaking I noticed he had stopped and he was off to the side and he was watching. And after it was done and I'm talking with people, he came up to me. and He said, hey, man, that was one of the most inspirational messages I have ever heard. And I appreciate you. He had to be maybe early 2021, 20, somewhere in there. Well, the owner of the company that I went to speak for heard the kid and I talking. They ended up talking. And he hired the kid on. He said, I don't know what I'm going to hire him on to do, but the fact that he wants to change his life and just needs a little bit of help, I'm going to figure it out. That's He amazing. hired that kid. In. That's yeah. it Wow. And I think that, you know, it's moments like that when I think about my career and what I'm trying to accomplish is that I'm trying to create moments that honestly last long after I no longer do.
0: Yeah. I hear too he had, and and this is what people really need to to work with you, is he had the confidence. It had it couldn't have been easy for him in his position to come to you and obviously had the work ethic too and wants to do that. And then by doing that, you know, he's create he's able to effectuate that type of change on his life. That's whoo, that's a lot. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, that moment, that moment gave me chills. When I think back, you know, so I was really excited that, you know, I was a part of that. I got to join somebody on their journey. That's really all that I care to do.
0: You know, as I was preparing for this interview today, I couldn't help but realize how many successful people we've had come out of our high school now, like 20 years later. (laughs) And I was thinking about it too. I was thinking of our principal, Mike Armbruster. And despite, I think we had 984 people in our class, he could make you feel like you were the only person in the room. I wanted to hear from you, like what, what if anything, what thoughts you had on, on his type of leadership style now that you're, you know, a couple of decades removed.
1: A couple of decades. I know, I know, I know,
0: I'm sorry. We're getting old. <laughs> That's, okay. That's
1: okay, it applies to both of us, so I'm okay. We're both hurting that, but truthfully, Mike Armbruster, and I hope you get to hear this, she is absolutely right. You made each and every single one of us feel like we had a personal relationship with you as a principal in a position where sometimes a principal can seem like they're so far away, they're on that ivory tower and they have to stay disconnected. And then you stayed with us through our four years of high school. So when I think about his contribution, That was something for sure that i took that regardless of how big my team was going to get it was my responsibility to develop a personal relationship with each of them so that they knew i was invested in their future to me Hmm. that's what that's what mr arm Brewster did for us right right he could he could walk up to you and talk to you about something that he had talked to you about three weeks ago and you think about it 900 plus kids in Hmm. one class
0: I'm telling you three days ago, I had this like come across it and not all CEOs or leaders or anything are able to, it's, it's really a gift it's, or in the words of him, it's a beautiful thing, you know, so <laughs> that's one of Isn't his favorite amazing. phrases, but like, it really is like, it is a gift and it requires a lot of intentionality and you can't really just be going through like all the mode. You, you have to be listening to your team and really care.
1: But he also, if you remember, he was a newer principal yeah. and he had to also develop a relationship with seasoned administrators who had been there.
0: Yeah, and he was I forgot about to, that.
1: Yeah, he was able to unite that whole group. So not only connect with the students who are generations younger than, than him and the rest of the staff, but he also had to connect with the staff who some of them. I think he might have been a student when they were uh,
0: oh, They uh, were there uh, since the 70s. I mean right. like some of them I mean and so they you know and I think he effectuated a lot of, of change and I remember a lot of the metrics and Having been involved within the business community since, you know, I've gotten to hear from several superintendents and they look at like the stats in the 90s. And the, I think that even though he might have been just principal of that school, I think then he was able to effectuate a lot more yeah. greater change. And that's probably why he, he went on to be principal of a couple other schools as they were able to see that.
1: Absolutely, as uh, you remember Shane Calhoun, as he always said, success leaves clues. And I think that when we look back at Mr. Arm Brewster's career, that's what he's leaving us. He's leaving us clues to how to achieve success regardless of your career path. That's why we had so many successful people come out of our class. It really started way back then.
0: Yeah, I didn't fully appreciate it back then. But now that I'm in the leadership position, I can really appreciate and I hope to embrace a lot, and if I could bring some of that into what I do and, and enhance that, it, it is good to look at other people and have them be, you know, role models for you to help you formulate into, you know, a better, better leader. I, I yeah, I agree. I, I didn't think of all those those things. So, yeah. So you do an amazing job at what you do. And every time I talk to you, you're, you're very energized. What do you do to stay motivated and maintain your energy? Cause you, you got a lot going on, you got a family, you know, what, what do you do? Is there any tips you can share with us?
1: Yep. I've developed a few healthy habits is what I okay. like to call it. healthy habits to keep me energized. So one, every, every day. I try to look at a new affirmation or a positive word. I think that that's important. You know, if you think about a lot of us, we are pitchers of water who are responsible for pouring into the lives of others. But every now and then that picture runs out and that picture has to be refilled. So you have to have a healthy habit to keep your own picture filled. And that's one way that I do it. I'm an auditory learner. So I yeah. listen to audio books. I can probably in a year get through about 8 to 10 books a year listening to them between work and in terms of my commute or cutting the grass just doing tasks I can I can retain the information better as opposed to reading a hard copy my wife she loves you know the feeling of turning a page that you know sitting yeah. there reading the book she's much better at that so continuing my education you know that is important I think feeding your mind, feeding your soul, feeding your spirit, feeding your faith are healthy habits that we all need, regardless of whatever you believe in. I don't exercise as much as I used to when I was playing sports. However, I do enjoy being active when I can. I think that that's also an important healthy habit to keep you energized. Uh, My wife and I for sure definitely are conscious of what we eat and we're trying to be even more conscious and improve our eating habits so that you know when we get of age we still feel young we still can move we still can travel we can do all the things that we want to do you know regardless of where we are in life and i think that this is a habit talking with good people talking with people like yourself uh if you remember again shane calhoun from school he and i talk often we've remained friends elsia Uh, Marconi at the time. She's married now. Sabrina, I'm still connected to those individuals. We still talk to each other. And I think that back then we saw a lot of these positive character traits in one another. And that's a large part of why now as adults, we've gravitated back towards each other and we're encouraging each other because we got a glimpse at where we started and we can see the vision for ourselves Mm. and like you said we have a lot of common common ground a lot of commonalities and that allows you to want to run together I think they call it ninth mile runners I think have you heard of that
0: I have not heard of ninth mile runners I'll have to look that up
1: I heard I heard this I can't remember where but they say with a marathon people in the ninth mile start to notice that they are running and keeping pace with a lot of the same people. Even though they may not have trained together, they're keeping the same pace, which silently is a note that you trained the way that I did, if you're able to keep this pace. And there's a lot of respect amongst each other. Mm. And I think that when we look at our 20 years where we are, I feel like that's what's happening in the people that we've kind of reconnected with, where we've noticed those similarities. Individually, we went off and we were training to run at a pace and that was our pace. And then you look up and it's like, oh, there's Amy. Oh, there's, ah. <laughs>
0: there's Shane.
1: Ninth mile runners. That's what we are.
0: That's amazing. I have run a couple half marathons and it is interesting that you could have complete strangers and probably in a half mile context. That's probably around mile four or five. But you start to see. Okay. And then you almost too, then kind of get back into what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, like this circle, and then you're able to kind of bring each other through. I'm not a good runner, but that, that was a healthy habit I picked up in 2014, gotten away from it the last few years, but having that kind of discipline, consistency, helping to bring people through, uh, I've made a commitment to getting back into that this year. So I can show my little ones that. So, uh, I don't know if I will do a full marathon. I started marathon training. I've run a total of 15 miles total for, but once I hit that 50, I was like, I'm done with this marathon training. I don't
1: know if I could do it. My legs are hurting right now. Just just even
0: thinking about it. No, I'm a really fast. um, There's what's called the Galloway method and it's a walk run method. And you can alter the amount of times that you're walk running to increase like your pace. And for someone who doesn't run all the time and, you know, has never been a runner, it, it is a sustainable method. something I've learned about, you know, and if you have lots of other pursuits and you can't fully focus on becoming this really, really, really elite runner, it's a good, good way, you know, it's better to, to do that than to not do it. And, you know, you could always improve upon that later. There's yeah. a
1: success lesson in that walk run method. You know, sometimes I think in life we want to run towards our goals We might start out walking, but we want to keep running. But you just said, if you walk, run, you can increase your pace over time. Yeah. I love that.
0: By altering your intervals. It's interesting because at first, when I first started doing this, I tried to train to run and just my lifestyle did not really permit me to, to get to the pace that I really wanted to. And once I started using like the, the Galloway method and, you know, incorporating that it was much more sustainable for me and where, where I was at, at my, my fitness journey. And, you know, I was able to do a few years in a row of, of, of that. And so, wow. but yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to be back in that community this year after having two babies in the last two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I will be doing some walk running again. So um, hey,
1: you, you and me both, I'll probably walk, walk, run.
0: So what's the single most important advice for someone who's trying to find their voice or improve their success? What can they really focus on?
1: You hear a lot of quotes out there around not letting fear stop you. And there are a couple that, you know, I, I encourage anyone to lean into, right? One, feel the fear, do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway, right? The other one is, more of a mindset shift around fear and to understand how to take back your control, which is fear does not stop death, it stops life. Fear does not stop death, it stops life. It keeps us from living. So in terms of my advice to someone is, expect to feel fear because we all do. That's a natural response to change and to things of the unknown. But feel it, do it anyway, And remember, as you continue to feel it, it does not stop death. It stops life. It keeps you and the people you love from living. So don't let it stop me. Live life to death.
0: I have to be honest. I had started launching this podcast last year and I started to have this fear that it wasn't going to be good and nobody was going to want to listen to it. And I actually put it on pause. And I was just like, I, you know, I don't think that I can do this. And I had a couple of people tell me like, no, Amy, you need to get this out there. You need to do that. And so I put back on my running shoes, and, yeah. you know, hooked back in my microphone and did all those things. And I'm really glad that I did. But, you know, I, I think people would be surprised to to hear that because i could exude a lot of confidence but I said oh. to myself I don't want to you know I don't want to do this and one of the conversations too that pushed me to do it a couple months ago was when we reconnected and we talked and you talked about the podcast and then that kind of put the little nugget in my head of what I kind of put on the shelf and I said like, okay I can do this let's do this and so if I hadn't pushed past that fear we would not be having this conversation today <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited I have dozens of people in the queue to talk to and i i do see that this this similar thinking of this performance mindset in you know a lot of the things we talked about like pushing past the fear the confidence the work ethic all those types of things really will help help people you know to 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 really get to the next level but i really appreciate you joining today and we're going to share you know, coach fix information for anyone who wants to reach out to him to learn more about his journey or what he has to offer. He's certainly already created an impact in in my life and my organization. And that's why I wanted to share this, this gift with others. So they may get in contact with him. So we'll share his information and be sure if you haven't already to subscribe to this show download it share it and i appreciate you all tuning in today and thanks so much
1: i want to thank you for having me i appreciate you
0: oh thank you thank you i'm so glad i think the universe has a way of putting people in front of you when when you need to have it and you need to be willing to listen to the universe yeah. or you're you're not going to get that gift
1: Yep, that's exactly it